It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at threepointpod. The fellows will get enrolling right after this from our partners. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Greetings and welcome to episode 189 of Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fatel of Z92.5, The Castle, along with Sportsnet Michigan, with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and Jared Fatel of Valley Sports Detroit down there in the Motor City. Well, the Wolverines, they stayed out of the trap, and we now have a top 10 showdown at Spartan Stadium at high noon on Saturday. We're going to be checking in with our MSU guy, Joe Janka, and look at the Michigan viewpoint with Ryan Terpstra. The high school playoffs are set and the Lions stay perfect in LA. Hashtag since 57. All this and more brought to you by Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. You know, I don't know about you guys, but uh, you know, this time of year, may be the absolute best in the sports world. You know, with everything going on, with football in full swing, the high school playoffs underway, uh, NBA in action, NHL in action, you know, college basketball started in practice. It doesn't get much better. And the World Series. I, I, I don't want to forget about that. It's just crazy. I was going to say, I know the Tigers have kind of been out of it for a little while, but you can't leave out the World Series, right? But, no. But, yeah, we talk about, obviously, like springtime, you know, kind of a similar scenario when a lot of sports are either wrapping up or starting, you know, like around March Madness time, being being one of some of the best weekends of the year. But, no, you're right. I mean, there's so much going on, and especially being football junkies like we are, and, Jared, you talked about it last week with, with high school football. We love it so much. That's just kind of like the, the cherry on top because NFL, college football, midseason. But, yeah, when, when high school football playoffs roll around, it, it feels like, man, there's just an extra juice to the football world. It really, it's the only sport where the playoffs start like while we're still in the fall compared to the NFL or college football where it's, it's like Christmas time before they're even playing these type of games. So I think that's personally why it like, just feels like the best time of year. Uh, but it also helps. I mean, we've just been so like 
connected to high school football, it feels like this year with Corona making the playoffs and, you know, me and Ted do both working with it, that I'll say, I think the reason you, a lot of people maybe don't like it so much is because you don't know who any of the people are. You don't know the kids. Uh, you don't know, like, a lot of the teams. Maybe you just follow the, your, like, hometown team, but would you really get, like, a good grasp of the entire state? I think high school football has as much drama and, you know, everything that makes football so great is right here in Michigan, and I think that it's just awesome this time of year, just like you guys said. Oh, it really is, you know, and then normally we, at this segment, play catch-up, but tonight it's going to be 100% football, and in this portion of the program we'll talk a little high school playoffs. You know, guys, I had another interesting Friday night story I'm, you're both aware of. This time uh, we had the game scheduled, Corona at home against Ovid Elsie, and 3 o'clock, right around that range on Friday afternoon, I get a text from Jason Beldiga, the Corona Athletic Director, and says, red alert, game canceled tonight. And then, you know, we had to make some accommodations to look at the schedule, see where we could get to, you know, try to put a broadcast together. And lo and behold, we had the uh, Frankenmuth at New Lothrop game just sitting there for us. So we mobilized, got over there, got it, uh, got it in the can. I think it turned out pretty good. But, you know, games make the broadcast. And this was uh, – it lived up to all the billing, guys. It was just a great game. Frankenmuth prevailed 28-14. But New Lothrop, uh, talent-wise, you know, for the uh, – uh, 22 players that play offense, defense, and then the other guys on special teams. I think talent-wise, they're right there with Frankenmuth, but it's tough to beat a team that plays platoon football against a team that plays pretty much everybody going both ways, and I think that ended up costing New Lothrop at the at the end down the stretch. That really is what's so impressive about Frankenmuth is, I mean, for Division Five, you just never, ever, ever see that, and they only had one player on their entire team that plays both ways. I think it was their quarterback. But can we talk about this, the new playoff points of course i hate it i never thought the reason so basically the reason they did this is because teams were having trouble filling schedules a lot of teams that were larger schools would play you know a lot of the smaller schools just to make sure they can get in the playoffs uh this or that i never really thought that was really that much of a problem if you're a good team and you have a chance at a state title you're going to find a way to win at least five or six games so i never viewed it as much of a problem but the apparently the mhsa did and a lot of the athletic directors that so they made this change, and what's funny about it, of course, the team that Corona ends up getting matched up with, Flint Powers, is 3-6, and six, and we were talking before the, before the pod, me and Matt had the same idea. Let's check out like what these three wins are to see how the hell they even earned a spot in the playoffs, and it makes absolutely no sense. So their three wins are against Flint Hamity. This is the best team they've beaten all year, who is, I think, Division 7 uh, or 8, one of the two. They beat them, and then their other two wins are against a winless Saginaw Arthur Hill and a two-win football team, Carmen Ainsworth. Wow. You guys just explained to me how not only did these guys make it into the playoffs, but I would say they're probably got the best district, like a very favorable district for all four of those teams where there's really no, you know, big dog in the entire district. And it just blows my mind. How in God's green earth did this fix anything? In my opinion, this just made it so that high school football, the regular season, basically means nothing. The idea of like making playoffs and everything that once stood for is now entirely gone. And basically what we learned from Flint Powers is as long as you play a tough schedule, it doesn't matter if you lose all those games, they'll still put you in. Uh, and, and it just, it just I don't know, it just really irritated me to see stuff like that. Just, it was perfect the way it was. Why did you have to change it? Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm 
I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I remember, you know, hearing the change uh, to the point system and Ted, you, you know, kind of talking about it, give me a few details, but I didn't know like some of the specific details, like uh, you get credit for just playing bigger schools. You get points. You get points for your opponent's victories. So kind of like what you're saying, Jared, just schedule a bunch of tough teams. And apparently if you go three and six, you're getting credit for all those opponents that you're playing, whether you beat them or not. And, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. I understand, you know, maybe initially why they thought they needed to change something because, you know, the idea is, you know, you used to have to – basically the idea, you had to get to six wins to make the playoffs. So maybe some schools would think schedule six cupcake games and just get those six wins, get to the playoffs. But kind of like you said, I don't think that was happening all that much. I mean, Ted, you would know better than anyone calling high school football for 35 years or whatever. Like, yeah, maybe some teams would throw in a couple cupcake games just well, they know, but otherwise you got to play your conference or you got to play, you know, the teams in your area or whatever. So, like, I don't know if teams were, like, intentionally scheduling six or seven no-name schools that they could just beat up on just to get to the playoffs. So, you know, I don't know if it was really, like, a huge problem, but to me, kind of you just laid it out, Jared, I feel like this is, like, even more of a problem because, yeah, you're, you're rewarding a team that went three and six. I don't care. Like, five and four is one thing. You know, if you're, like, a deserving five and four team, like you were talking about, Cast Tech, Jared, that's that's probably yeah. a deserving five and fourteen. Three and six, though. I mean, you're you're three games under five hundred in a nine nine game season. That's that's not good. And not only do you get to the playoffs, this, this isn't like Corona Fando. I mean, maybe it is a little bit. My Corona alum coming out. Not only do you get to make the playoffs, but you get to host a first round game. So Corona has to go to their stadium or you know wherever the game's going to be played and play there. Like I, it just it doesn't make sense to me and. You know, kind of like with a lot of things, you know, maybe this is a trial run. Maybe they'll find out they need to fix and tweak some of the point system. But, but yeah, just it, that was definitely a head-scratcher. You know, you guys brought up some good points there, really. You covered it real well. The only thing I would add to it is, uh, well, first of all, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, think about this. The way they've got it structured right now with the strength of schedule, you could have a Division Eight team play up you know, all season long, all nine games, and go winless and make the playoffs. Now think about that. <laughs> I mean, it could happen. The way so, so Jared, your your comment about if it wasn't broke, don't change it. Well, it wasn't probably perfect. I don't know if any system would be perfect, but you're right. It wasn't broke. They found that six wins gets you in. And Matt, you laid it out that yeah, there's schools out there that would play a couple cupcakes, and but they wouldn't play a whole schedule that way. And there was a little bit of difficulty, I think, on some of the parental powerhouse schools finding opponents to play. But overall, it was a really good system. And every school that had six wins automatically were in the playoffs. Every single year, bar none, and there was always some five and four teams as well. The way it just, uh, it, it, the way it shook down, and I didn't even realize, Jared, you were telling me the school's powers lost to, or powers beat, and then they got blown out in the other games. Man, you look at that resume. That is not impressive whatsoever. <laughs> no, no the resume, they, yeah, the resume is not good. I was kind of reading off a few of them. I mean, the losses, they're, they're two, you know, a couple 9-0 and teams, a couple 7-2 and teams, so, you know, a tough schedule, but yeah. all their losses are by 30, 40, even like 50 <laughs> points. So they're not, like, battling. They're not, you know, like Corona had a couple, I mean, you guys both know very well, Corona had a couple really tough losses to some really good teams. They did. So, like, to me, that's like, you know, if you want to say a good loss. Flint Powers is just getting smoked by all these teams. So how does that prove anything? So kind of like what you said, Jared, just throw a bunch of tough teams. Or like you said, yeah, level up. Just throw a bunch of tough teams on your schedule. You lose by 50, whatever, and you're still getting credit. 
it's just kind of weird. Yeah, I don't think the I don't think the MH, MHSAA really thought this through and vetted it well. Obviously, this is definitely a flaw that they've got to fix down the road. But you know, us three and other media people can talk about it all we want. I'll tell you one thing. Steve Herrick and the Corona Cavaliers better get it out of their mind right now that that whole thought process about, well, we shouldn't be playing powers or we should be playing at home. They still got an opponent to deal with because everything we're saying right now goes for naught if powers picks up the win, which, by the way, at least it's not on a home field, but they're playing at Atwood Stadium, which is going to be a great atmosphere for a playoff game. Well, you know who they, they really remind me of is like uh, every year in March Madness, there's the team that everyone bitches about. Usually it's like Syracuse when they're 17 and 15 or almost like UCLA this past year where a lot of people don't think they should have made the tournament and then all they need is a chance and they end up ripping off, you know, a long run in the playoffs. I, I could uh, 100% see that coming. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely ripping on them a lot, um, but they're probably still a pretty good team. You know, they played some tough games. So, so yeah, you're, you're spot on, Ted. You can, you can gripe and moan or whatever, but you got to go out there and play. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Coach Eric is definitely telling those guys, don't pay attention to all the noise. We got to go out there and perform. But you, you bring up Atwood Stadium, and I'm sure we've talked about it before. Ted, you know all about it. I, oh, whenever yeah. I think of or hear about Atwood Stadium or hear people talk about it, I think of that game in the mid-'90s when Corona went there to play Jackson Lumen Christie in the playoffs. And, you know, I was, uh, whatever, 10, 10, 11 years old. And for me to go to, like, this just this stadium is so cool. If, if anyone hasn't been to this stadium, it's just such a cool stadium in general, like Wilman Field in Owasso, I think. Yeah. But, like, at the time – it was that, like, old-school AstroTurf. And On cement. it was just so cool to see, like, you know, the Corona Cavaliers, this team that I looked up to that I thought were basically, like, professional football players, <laughs> playing on an AstroTurf field in a stadium like that it was, like, the coolest thing to me. So I, I just remember always thinking, like, I wish I could have, like, went there and played one time. But, but yeah, so hopefully, hopefully Corona, you know, dials in and gets a good week of practice in because – there's nothing cooler than playoff time. I mean, I just remember my senior year when we made the playoffs. It was almost like a reset type of thing, you know, and yeah. it was just such a cool time for the community and everything. And ho- hopefully, I'm sure Corona fans will show up for them. No doubt about it, and I agree with you. You know, in my long broadcasting career here in Michigan in the playoffs, some of my highlight games have been over there at Atwood Stadium. And even when uh, Jared, your dad, played, he played. A, he was on the team. I think he was injured, but Corona played a playoff game there in, uh, I think it was 82 or 81, the, the fall, and uh, Rich Moffitt caught a long pass for a touchdown in that game, but they got beat. I think that was my first experience at Atwood Stadium. It's just an old, you know, horseshoe-shaped stadium you know, right in the heart of a tough district of Flint, but uh, they've got a lot of history in that stadium. I mean, back in the day before the high school football playoffs, every Thanksgiving day, Flint Northern played Flint Central in a high school football finale at Atwood Stadium. And, I mean, I guess they used to just jam-pack that place. That's awesome. Oh, man, that's, that's just, an awesome tradition. That's a, I wish yeah, that's an awesome that. tradition, especially if you think about, like, that's like the peak of Flint, you know, when peak was right. when Flint was like thriving. I bet you that was so cool. No doubt about it. Well, before we wrap up this, I just want to set the stage too. You know, if Corona gets by Powers and on the opposite side of that bracket, Richmond is playing Armada. Uh, if Richmond wins that game, Corona will host the second round of the playoffs at the Nick. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed, right? That'd you don't awesome. want to drive all the way to Armada, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that, that that might be on your. That might be on your docket, right? If they make it, there. it very I was possible. Bring up, so you, you, you 
said you went and called the new Lothrop game. Yeah. That's not really – I mean, obviously you were probably excited you wanted to call the Corona game last Friday. But kind of a, a, a nice consolation prize to go do Frankenmuth versus uh, New Lothrop. But, man, I saw – I'm sure you guys maybe looked it up too. I saw New Lothrop's district. Talk about, like, some insane just powerhouse programs. Ithaca, Palomo Salia, Montrose, and New Lothrop yeah. in that district. That yeah. is just like – that's like murder's row of – I don't care what size the schools are. Those are some of the best programs in Michigan. Oh, no no doubt about it. I mean, that, that I think, is the toughest district, at least obviously in our area for sure. I mean, you know, Durand and Ovidelsi also made the playoffs in Division six but, six, but they got awful tough draws with the railroaders getting Lansing Catholic at Lansing Catholic and OE having to travel up to Tim Ferno Field up in Millington. You know how tough Millington is year in and year out, too. So it's going to be tough. Now, the other other game we're watching, we might even be broadcasting Saturday night at 7 o'clock. The Morris Orioles rank number one in eight-player football, Division Two. They take on Climax Scotts over there at the Field of Dreams in Morris. And if uh, if sales can put it together, we'll be there Saturday night at 7 o'clock. So we'll have uh, Twin Bill this weekend if it all works out. Not a bad way to finish up a Saturday after uh, Michigan State, Michigan, huh? No, especially because Morris will probably win by about 500 points. <laughs> They're putting together quite a program over there for eight-man. I tell you what. Oh, no doubt. Hey, I, I've I feel like we've talked about it maybe like in the prep picks can preview or, or another time. It, it, was, it was fairly recently they went to eight-man, right? Didn't they kind yeah. of recognize that they were, you know, maybe losing enrollment or whatever, but they moved down to eight-man, and now they've become like an eight-man power. Oh, absolutely. I think it's been within the last eight or ten years, and, yeah, they have been completely dominant. They've won a state championship. Uh, you know, they used to have a field that was – to call it kindly, it was a cow pasture, and uh, they've actually, you know, had some money. The sports boosters stepped up. They made a really nice field over there at Morris. Now they're upgrading the facilities, adding a press box. They got lights over there. They didn't at first. In fact, some of the first playoff games we did over there, no lights, so we had to play in the afternoon. So yeah, they got a they got a really sweet thing going over there in eight man football. They've really embraced it, and uh, you know they're they're a powerhouse. They are. Is it difficult or different, I guess, to call eight-man football, or is it uh, just basically the same? No, you know, surprisingly, it's basically the same. They have, instead of five linemen, they got three, and instead of two wideouts, they have one. Everything else is pretty much the same. It's, it's yeah. a it's a I wide open. I, just, I didn't know if, like, the flow was different or, you know, whatever, but, yeah. Let's. Lots of numbers are getting away while you're, when you're trying to look at the numbers on the back of the jersey. Yeah, there's just a lot of scoring, like you said there, Jared. I mean, it's it's definitely wide open football. I mean, you know, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but it, uh, Morris's best player is their quarterback, and he's put up some unbelievable, phenomenal numbers, you know, as far as scoring points. So if we do that game, it would be interesting to, to do it. You know, it's always fun getting over there, Morris. They love us over there, and uh, it'd be a lot of fun. And, hey, anytime – High school playoffs underway, man. That's that's gravy time for us here at the castle, man. It's it's fun. I gear I gear up for it every year. All right, we'll be back. Talk a little action going on in East Lansing this Saturday. Right after this quick message. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. 
Kendall Drugs and Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295. All right, fellas, it's the week we've waited for. I mean, we have been teeing this up all season long, but we finally made it. 7-0 and Michigan, 7-0 and Michigan State. The storylines, let's get into it. It's just going to be phenomenal. It really is. I, I was surprised to see that the opening line started as Michigan minus four, despite it being a home game at, at State. And, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I view it as more of like a pick 100%. And the fact that Michigan State was at home, I feel like you have to give Michigan State uh, – like the favorite favoritism, but I don't looking into this game. I've been nervous leading up to this week, the entire season, but I, I got to tell you guys, I got, I got like a calm sense of confidence in me right now, just from everything I've seen from this team all year, they seem to be ready for the challenge, the offense of the running game. I feel like we're really going to be able to run it on Michigan state. The only thing that really nerve makes you nervous is our corners. I really don't know if they'll be able to cover these guys. It's something we're going to realize either it'll be just like an Ohio State game from years past uh, where we could realize we're in trouble about, you know, six minutes into the game when they already have, like, two deep bomb touchdowns right over our heads. Or our defense will finally be the defense that we think it is uh, heading into these big games, and they will finally pull through. I don't know. But overall, I'm comfortable. I'm liking Michigan, but I something about this line. Like if I was a, a non-biased party, I'm jumping on Michigan State 100. Yeah, the, the line was definitely interesting, but I, I mean, you're, I, I'm definitely in agreement with everything that you said. I mean, these, these teams like are pretty evenly matched. I think you know both maybe have some different strengths or weaknesses, but that that would be the one thing that that you pointed to that I think about. I'll be very curious to see. Michigan's corners against those fast wide receivers and skill players for Michigan State. I feel like Daxton Hill is going to have to have like the game of his career. I mean, he he came here for games like this, and he's definitely had a great season this year. And he's he's like the dude who has the foot speed who can keep up with with Naylor and Reed. So hopefully, I, I don't know if you what they're going to do scheme wise or whatever, but I just feel like he's going to have to have a big game. But but yeah, I mean, at, you know, when you see like all the fans and all the the media and people going back and forth about Michigan and Michigan State. I feel like whatever you criticize Michigan about, whether it's, you know, maybe the passing game being a little inconsistent or strength of schedule not being all that impressive or, you know, some other stuff, you could say a lot of the same stuff about Michigan State. Maybe some of their opponents, you know, maybe their strength of schedule isn't the greatest. Or, yeah, Thorne's hit hit a bunch of deep balls, but he hasn't been super consistent through the air. Um, the, you know, Kenneth Walker has had a hell of a season, but he's also had a couple games where he didn't do a whole lot. So I'm just like, you know, when you try and, for me, when you try and, like, look at things and be like, okay, where is one team clearly have an edge? I, like, I don't really know where it is because both games have, or both teams have very strong run games. Both teams have, like, some very good defenders and defensive players. That, I guess the one thing would maybe be Michigan's passing game that we know hasn't been, like, very consistent all year. But I'm not completely out on Cade McNamara, you know, like a lot of people are. So, so I don't know, just like trying to think about where you lean or what you look at 
to make you pick a, a winner in this game, it's kind of tough. It's almost like a coin flip, like you said. Yeah, you, you, you said it perfectly. This is a, as good a matchup. You know, like they always say in boxing, matchups make the boxing match. Well, this is a classic matchup without a doubt, and we'll talk more about that. But you threw it out there. You know, the big story, Cade McNamara. And, man, Jared, I think we know where you lie, but let's talk about Cade McNamara a little bit and what concerns you may have going into this game. He's just not accurate throwing throwing long balls. And uh, it, it just it's, you can notice the difference with a team like Michigan State where it feels like every game they have a home run ball or maybe even two. And in college ball and really in all – levels of football that's like such a momentum swing and so important to be able to when those guys are open you got to be able to hit them and they're always open in college football as long as you have a quarterback they can put it on the money it, it happens so much more and that's why you see a team like lsu from like three or four years ago basically unstoppable because uh, the corners just aren't as good but how do you guys look at him and say i trust him because there's just no way that you actually mean that because People point just like the fact that he's winning these games. Like, he has nothing to do with it, pretty much. Nothing to do with it. The fact that we're able to run the ball for 200-plus yards every week and he still can't really throw the ball well is maybe the most glaring issue with it all is that it's not like he doesn't have a running game or he has a bad offensive line or he doesn't have wide receivers that can make plays. No, it all comes back to Magnamara and the fact that he's just not that good. I hate to say it, just flat out not that good. I mean, I, I'm not going as far as saying he's not that good. I, you know, if he, has he hit, like you, you just said, has he hit a bunch of deep balls like Thorne has or even had some, like, electric plays like we've seen out of J.J. McCarthy? You know, maybe not, but he has hit some deep balls. People act like he, like, just cannot at all throw the ball down the field. He has. Obviously, last week against Northwestern, he missed a few that maybe could have been completions. But to me, it, it is like he is out there winning the game. And, People get mad about the game manager, you know, calling a quarterback a game manager, but that I think he's a little more than that. But he's starting these games. He's not turning the ball over. He's only got the one interception. He doesn't take sacks. He's only taken two sacks this year. So, yeah, he's not, like, scrambling around like crazy like Lamar Jackson, but he doesn't take sacks. He gets the ball out. You know, if he's missing these throws, at least he's not throwing interceptions. So, you know, some people will just chuck it up all around the place, but then they're throwing interceptions all the time. So you don't really want that. So, the one thing I like, I still think it's Kate McNamara's job. He hasn't lost it, in my opinion. But the one thing that we all obviously all can see, the ceiling is probably definitely much, much, much higher for J.J. McCarthy. And I, I like how they've slowly every week they've brought him in like a little more here and there. Like against Northwestern, he actually threw a handful of passes, you know, did a, ran the ball a couple times. I feel like they're, they're like slowly getting him – ready so maybe in a game like this weekend any slanting if McNamara throws a pick or two or yeah like you said Thorne hits a couple deep balls next thing we know it's 17 to 0 or 17 to 3 I feel like I, I like how they've kind of brought J.J. McCarthy along where if you're not feeling it if Cade just isn't doing it that he it seems like McCarthy would be ready to step in if he needs to so I, I'll be curious to see how that goes yeah I definitely lean on Matt's side here I mean uh, Cade McNamara the only stat I care about is he's 7-0, and and, you know, he is not as bad as Jared has pointed out here. I'm telling you right now, Cade McNamara is the Michigan quarterback until Harbaugh decides elsewhere. McCarthy, though, he has been getting the playing time, like you said. He has shown that he has a bigger upside, but uh, Cade McNamara, I'm sticking with my man, and I think the biggest thing about him 
It's not that he can't throw the long ball. I think the biggest thing is he's got to keep his confidence. You know, you can't, you know, if he gets sacked once or twice, he's just, I've noticed he's he's kind of got a little, a little bit skittish. And he's got to go into this game thinking that they're going to kick the Spartans' ass and he's got to have that chip on his shoulder that he's the man to help lead them to that victory. And if that doesn't happen, then that's what Harbaugh gets the big bucks for. He could pull the trigger, put McCarthy in there. He's had enough playing experience this season, and maybe he can step up and get the job done if it's needed. But I'm still sticking behind McNamara. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in, until, I guess, you know, at least the way I see it, and it sounds like you too, Ted, uh, until he, like, straight up loses the job, until he's out there laying an egg, yep. clearly losing the game for the team, uh, I, it's tough for me to turn it over to a true freshman, an 18-year-old kid, when, you know, you've got a, a quarterback who has started, whatever, eight or nine games now and won quite a few games. So, so yeah, that, but the thing is, is if you know you've got a guy on the bench in McCarthy who has that much of an upside, it is kind of tough to leave him on the bench. But, yeah, until McNamara loses loses the game or loses the job, I'm sticking with him. I'm sticking with him. Yeah, I guess, like, I, there's nothing I can say because I feel like he already would have been pulled if there was somebody waiting in the wings. I mean, he's in a quarterback battle with a true freshman who looks like he weighs 180 pounds, like, soaking wet. <laughs> so, I, I just – I mean, you guys get – I really can't argue it. I'm, I'm going to lose this every time because there's just no one – there's no one to put in in his place. So he's just going to keep winning these games, and eventually he will be our downfall. There's, there's just no other way that I see this season ending. Like it's like I'm, it's like I'm an episode of like Lost or something like that, where I keep having like flash forwards of like what's about to happen, and all I see is like interceptions and like him getting pulled and McCarthy coming in and probably it getting even worse. So I just I have a bad feeling about it. Yeah, and I will say this. You went. You went from, Jared, you went from at the beginning of this conversation, you were saying you were feeling good, optimistic, and now you've come, like, all the way back crashing down. It sounds like. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be this weekend. I think we're going to really see the writing on the wall after this weekend, but I think he'll do just enough to get the win. Uh, but I think we're definitely going to be seeing it come Ohio State week um, where they're lighting it up, and that's a team that we're going to have to put up points with. And I just don't think we're going to be able to. We're not going to be able to pound it down Ohio State's throat like we might be able to to Michigan State. Now, if he loses, let's say Michigan loses to Michigan State this week or they lose to to somebody else leading up to Ohio State, at that point, I'm not 100% against making the switch, you know, and going with McCarthy, see what happens. But until he loses, it's just I don't know how you can pull him. And my goodness, if he's, what, uh, 11-0 going to Ohio State and they happen to lose that game, you know, he still had a hell of a season. Yeah, that's, right. that's that's a good point. I just, it's just like I said, he's he's serviceable, but man, it just seems like that's really the missing piece that that could make this team a legitimate like title contender, not just a good you know a good Harbaugh Michigan team. I just, I just wish we almost had like a Shea Patterson, honestly, just somebody who's a little bit more dynamic. I mean, I I can see that a little bit. I feel like you know, obviously, we're not in the coach's room, but. I, it seems like the coaches see that as well. That's why they're playing McCarthy yep. a decent amount. If they were just all on board, you know, bullish about playing Cade McNamara or McCarthy wasn't doing anything in practice, then he probably wouldn't even be on the field. But, you know, they're still bringing him in. I think, like, I guess to me, I, I feel like they're playing him enough so if they have to insert him into a game down 10, down 14, he's, like, comfortable enough 
in the offense. So I, I hopefully he doesn't get to that point, but well, yeah, I guess we'll see. I, I did see a stat I wanted to throw out before we maybe start to move on to our uh, our special inside guest. This will be the eighth time that these teams have met, both undefeated. It's just crazy to think. I mean, you know, as many times as, as these teams have played, only this is the eighth time that they've been both undefeated. But in those games, Michigan State's 5-1-1. One, and one. So it's kind of interesting to see. I like how you pull out the stats, too, because I had some stats lined up here as well. I mean, it's the first time in the 114-game history that both MSU and Michigan enter 7-0. and oh, How about that one? 114 years. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's crazy. I'm just curious, where are you guys going to be for the game? I'm going to be working, uh, but you best believe it's going to be for those three and a half hours. I'm not sure how much work I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, what about yeah, you, you, you and you and probably everyone else at your office. I mean, I would think most people will be watching the game, or at least yeah. have it on in the background. I right uh, now am going to be I, watching my big screen TV. Is the plan right at the moment? I was going to say I, I couldn't imagine Ted being anywhere else than right in that basement watching, watching right where he always do. <laughs> his bunker. Yeah, my bunker. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ready, ready to do your instant reaction video right after. <laughs> um, my my parents are coming down for a visit. Uh, they're coming down Friday. So I'll be sitting right on my couch getting to watch a game with my parents. So it'll be kind of cool. Awesome. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be a Wolverines victory because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer of the visit if Michigan loses. <laughs> well, we'll talk a little bit more the game, and we'll get a, a Michigan State perspective with our Spartan insider Joe Janka right after this short message. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Well, next up we have, as I said, our Spartan insider, Joe Janka. I don't know if he's nervous. I don't know if he's confident, but we're going to find out. Hi, Joe, and welcome to the podcast once again. Hey, Ted. Thanks for having me. Well, what's the feeling in the Janka clan right now? Uh, definitely nervous. I, honestly, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's hard, and, and candidly, I think if anybody really confidently thinks they know what's going to happen Saturday, I think they're lying to themselves. I, I honestly could see it going either way. I really could. What did you think of the opening line at uh, Michigan minus four? Did you do your classic like Michigan State whole shtick where you guys are always <laughs> undervalued, underdogs, or do you actually think that that's like a fair line of where this game should be? I think it's a pick 'em, so I guess I do think that's their undervalued. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, but I'm like, I mean, you kind of put the words in my mouth, though. It is kind of pretty common that Michigan is the favorite in this game, even though that hasn't worked that way necessarily the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, I was waiting for that little dig about uh, Michigan always being favored in this game somehow. I thought you were going to throw out something. How is Michigan ranked a couple spots ahead of Michigan State right now, too? But we were talking before we brought you on. We kind of gave our thoughts on the game. And something that I think about looking at this game, I mean, you kind of said it. It's basically a coin flip game. It's kind of tough. I'm trying to find spots where, like, one team is, like, vastly superior than the other team, you know, whether it's offensive line, defensive line, or, you know, in the pass game or something like that. We were talking about – the Spartan wide receivers against the Michigan corners maybe being one of the spots to really keep an eye on. For you personally, like if you even 
maybe taking your fandom out of it. If you had to sit back and say, like, this is where one team is going to have a clear edge, in your opinion, what would you point to? Yeah, so I think that that's a fair point that I definitely think would benefit State, or just at least I think the receiving core, especially with Ronnie Bell out, I think State's uh, receiving core is a bit better. And, and I don't know if Michigan's seen a receiving core like State necessarily this year, but I think Michigan's a little bit tougher up front on their offensive and defensive lines, just physically a little bit. So it's just it's honestly they're just very different teams they're both good i don't think either of them are great candidly they've just won every game that's been presented to them so far um but i think uh they both have flaws in different ways and i think that's what makes it hard is that the flaws of one team is different from the ones of the other team so i just don't even know how the game flow is going to go um but i i do think michigan if it turns into an ugly like three yards in a cloud of dust game, I think that benefits Michigan. If it's a game of a a lot of big explosive plays, especially in the pass game, I think that benefits State. But I don't know how that's going to (laughs) go. So that's what's hard. You've been to uh, a lot more Michigan State games than than we have in in your time when you were a student there and all that. Do you think that the fact that the game is at noon is going to make a huge difference in terms of, like, the atmosphere at Spartan Stadium, or do you think it's still going to be rocking and it's, it really doesn't matter whether this game was a night kick or a noon kick. Michigan State is still going to have one hell of like a home field advantage. What do you think? I still think it's going to be electric. And honestly, this game normally is a noon game. I mean, State's done pretty well uh, with those in the past 15, 20 years. So I don't think it's going to really affect it too much. I just think that um, I hope for a good good weather. I don't want it to be some nasty rain game or something like that like we've seen in the past, which early forecast, and you know, Jared's already trying to build that excuse if we get some lightning or something on Saturday, but uh, hopefully we just have some dry weather and so there's not that excuse factor. So, You know, this is the first time we've had you on since taking kind of a preseason look at the Spartans and uh, you know, there was a lot of, lot of uh, question marks coming from you and a lot of people going into this season after last year's two-win season with Rocky Lombardi. What's the biggest turnaround that you've seen? What's, what's the biggest change that's really got the Spartans where they're at right now? Well, I think a lot of it is just they haven't beat themselves and I don't think anybody's saw their offense being uh, this explosive. And I don't even think uh, most years when D'Antonio was there, their offense didn't look like this offense where they're doing the flea flickers and doing all these deep passes and scoring 60-yard touchdowns. I mean, Mm. even their best of the D'Antonio teams, and the one I always go back to is their Rose Bowl team in 2013, their offense didn't have the chunk plays offensively like that we see today. So I think it's just refreshing for a lot of state fans to see from a play-calling standpoint that they're at least trying to press the ball down the field and not trying to play inside of a phone booth. And I think similar with Michigan, I think some of these Harbaugh teams uh, in past years are better than this team, um, just like some of D'Antonio's best are better than this state team. Right. But they're both 7-0. and But that, some of that, I think, for both of them is just there's no Notre Dame early in the schedule. Neither team's played Ohio State. But I think there has been better Michigan and Michigan State teams in the last 10 years. So Yeah, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see, I mean, obviously, first of all, who wins this game, but how each team finishes. Because like you said, you still got Penn State, Ohio State, and some other tough games on the schedule for both teams. So they're, they're both sitting here at 7-0, and top 10. Very easily, one of these teams could end up 8-4 and four or something by the end of the year. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. But Ted brought up uh, when we had you on at, at the 
beginning of the season or before the season started. And you were kind of, if I'm remembering right, I'm not trying to not trying to take a shot at you, but you were kind of saying like, eh, rebuilding year, bowl eligible, and I'll be happy. Are you kind of like, are you still in that spot? You're, you're already bowl eligible, so are you kind of saying season's good no matter how, how the rest of the year goes, I'm, I'm good? Or, or now, are you like a lot of the Spartan fans who are all of a sudden saying that Mel Tucker's the next Nick Saban and Michigan State should be in the college football playoff talks and now we got to go for the national title? Where are you sitting now, you know, midseason? Well, I don't know if a lot of Spartans would necessarily say that, the playoff and national title. <laughs> I don't think either one of these teams want to touch Georgia or Alabama. Um, but uh, I would say that, yeah, the expectations change, and it's still um, – and like I said, some of the changes that you've seen offensively for Michigan State this year um, give us hope to see what this Mel Tucker tenure hopefully will last a while. I think there is positives to see that he's building something here, especially once he starts recruiting, which seems like recruiting's picking up too. But I do think that expectations change. But honestly, I'm to the point, Matt, if they win this weekend – the rest of it's gravy, man. <laughs> Even if they go eight and four, I mean, yeah. it sounds sad, and it sounds like the typical Spartan fan. But the way I thought, or the expectations I had for this team, you beat Michigan and go nine and three, ten and two, maybe even eleven and one. I'm not going to say this team's going to beat Ohio State. I mean, how can I not be just ecstatic? You know, but yeah. uh, but win this weekend. That's uh, the 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 uh, the expectations have changed. <laughs> you mentioned it, Mel Tucker, man. I just saw today that he's not uh, poo-pooing the LSU interest uh, that he has. Are you basically – I don't know about you, man, but if I was a Michigan State fan, I'd be in DEFCON 5 right now. I'd be very, very worried that no matter what happens this year, this is his last year in East Lansing, and he's going to be the SEC's problem now, and we don't have to worry about him anymore in Michigan. Do you, do you think he's gone? Honestly, do you think he's gone after this year? I don't. But I'm I'm very I'm flattered that you you're trying to find ways to not worry about him. That's uh, that's the greatest compliment you could give me, Jared, um, or Mel Tucker, I should say. I don't. I think um, he, and not that I'm like naive and don't think that he could move. Absolutely, if LSU comes out and gives him a nine ten million dollar annual salary, I mean, absolutely, he should move. And I think Mel Tucker has that kind of more business like professional mindset where he's going to benefit himself when he can. He kind of showed that when he moved from Colorado to Michigan State. Um, one thing I'd say about that is I, I think Michigan State have bullets in the chamber that they didn't have 20 years ago um, when Saban would move to the FCC. One of them's things Matt Ishbia, who just donated $32 million to the football and basketball programs. I think Michigan yep. State can give him that increase that they maybe necessarily couldn't give Saban back in the day. And I think this is, Michigan State is – vastly better of a program in comparison to where it was in 2000 from a facility standpoint, funding behind the program, um, and basically just with what D'Antonio did, it, it showed that you can be competitive and make the playoff and win the Big Ten at Michigan State. So, anyways, long story short, he could, and if it's, you know, they're going to pay him $4 million more a year, how can I blame the guy? I just think you can also set yourself up to be that guy that moves every year and you're not trustworthy and you right. turn into the uh, Lane Kiffin of the world uh, very quickly if you make one too many of those moves. And I just have a feeling that Tucker will be here three, four years, and then we could see him moving on. I just don't think it's going to be that quick. Right. So I, I, It's a win-win for me, honestly, either way, whether he <laughs> moves on or if he stays at Michigan State and we just continue to have these big games every year. That's good with me, too. I asked these guys before you came on. Uh, I'm curious because I'm going to be working and I'm jealous of everybody who's going to be doing something for the game. What are you doing? Are you 
having uh, the family over for a cookout and watching it out on the back porch? Are you going downtown to East Lansing? What's your plan? Yeah, so I'm going to the game with my dad. Um, we have season tickets this year, so we, basically with the way the state's home schedule worked out, this game in Penn State's basically the reason you get them. Um, but we'll yep. be just tailgating with some friends and family uh, near the stadium and then heading into the game. Uh, my dad and I, and yeah, we're like beyond stoked. I uh, was joking at work today. It's uh, This is like I can't sleep for a week when games like this go up <laughs> for Michigan State. Like I'm sure you guys can appreciate, but just the other side or the other end of the spectrum. But uh, I'm uh, beyond excited and uh, win or lose, I'm glad that we got uh, this. This should be a state holiday. I really do think so every year <laughs> yeah. this game. <laughs> I really do think so. It needs to be a bigger thing. Uh, I got one follow-up follow up yeah, to that question, and that's, uh, okay, we know you're going to be at the game with your dad, and by the way, this segment brought to you by Advanced Elevator. But uh, <laughs> are you going to be do – you, do you have a regular spot you tailgate and, and do it upright? Uh, sometimes. We have uh, some family friends. I won't name drop them that are uh, my stepmom's friends that uh, have a nice tailgate over by the International Center that I've went to since before I even went to state. Uh, that's where we meet up usually before the games. But, uh, yeah, that or the Harrison Roadhouse is kind of a nice spot before football and basketball games. It's easy to walk to each stadium. So that's, that's a good time, too. Yep, so good, good I'll spot. I'll give them a shout-out. Perfect. And before we let you go, Joey, uh, give, us, uh, give us your prediction. We know you got MSU. What kind of score are we looking at in this game? I think mid-20s, 23-20, somewhere in there. I, I'll just go for it and say a 23-20 win for Michigan State with their ginger fire core, uh, kicker uh, icing it, putting those ice in Jared Tell's veins and throwing a 47-yard field goal with the clock running out. But doing the windmill down the field just for you, Jared. The, uh, hey, one thing that I'd be worried about if I were you, from what I'm seeing on Twitter, it sounds like uh, – the quote-unquote woodshed is going to be raided this weekend, so might not be much of a home field advantage after all. Oh, my. Let it talk. The talk is going. I love it. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, Joey. We appreciate you taking time to join us, as always. It's going to be a hell of a game, and uh, I think we're all right there with you. We're all kind of just getting our juices flowing, getting ready for Saturday's high noon kickoff. Thanks again for checking in with us. Thanks, guys, and go green. All right, good stuff from Joey there to talk about the Spartans. We have Ryan Terpstra coming up next right after this. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, so let's bring in our next guest. Uh, we've talked a lot of Michigan-Michigan State. We brought on our Spartans insider. Let's bring Ryan Terpser on. We bring him on often to talk college bas- basketball, Michigan sports, and, and a bunch of other stuff. But we want to get his perspective on this, this little game that's going on in East Lansing this weekend. So, Terp, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I had to uh, cancel important date at the Apple Orchard, but I think I'm going to have fun watching this one, too. <laughs> oh, you're, you were able to get away from the pumpkin patch and everything else to watch this top ten matchup? Yeah, I found the time. I told my wife I was going to go rake leaves, but instead I'm just going to stick the uh, AirPods in and listen to the radio broadcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we, we, we've talked about it a bunch. But, yeah, like I said, we want to get, get your, your perspective on this game and the Wolverines. 
So I asked the, the, our guest that we talked to the, about the Spartans with, I want to ask you basically the same question. So when I look at this game, I can't really see like one glaring strength or weakness from one of these teams. I, we, we've talked about it. Maybe you would point at the Michigan State receivers, the Michigan corners, maybe at the line of scrimmage with Michigan. They, they might have an edge there. But for you personally, like in your opinion, where would you point to where one team has like a clear edge that you're going to watch? I think for Michigan, I want to see how the defensive line plays. Because the best player on the football field, in my opinion, is Aiden Hutchinson. And if you're the best player on the field, regardless of either team, and uh, you have a chance to impact a game more than anyone else out there, I want to see what that unit does for Michigan. Because if they can be disruptive, both stopping the run, both uh, pressuring the quarterback, that's going to be huge for that Michigan defense because that means you can't really attack that secondary like State's going to try to, uh, except by staying away from Daxton Hill. And so I think that that's a big key for Michigan. And for State, I think it's to throw on them. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker III is going to get his. They can find a way to get the ball out of their quarterback's hands, get it to their playmakers on the perimeter. That's where we've seen Michigan have problems. And uh, even against Northwestern, who's not a good team this last Saturday, when they got the ball out to the perimeter and when they got it to their running backs in space, they found success. And I know Michigan State was watching that game. They'll try and put that blueprint in. And even though Don Brown's not around this year, uh, plays across the middle, pick plays, screens, still seem to be an issue for Michigan. And I would not be surprised if State tries to neutralize Aiden Hutchinson in that front four by getting the ball out quick and getting out wide. You know, Terp, the big talk, it's been, I guess it comes with the territory being a Michigan quarterback, but the big talk has been, uh, you know, seems like 50% are for McNamara, 50% are for McCarthy to be in there, maybe even more for McCarthy. Where, where do you stand on that? So I was uh, perusing rational Michigan fan Twitter today. And <laughs> there I is such a thing? Comparison to this issue. Uh, and this came from uh, uh, one of the fans that's probably well-known. I think it's at Thick Stoskis. And he said, you know, this is a lot like that Family Guy episode <laughs> where they offer Peter Griffin two choices. He can get a boat or a mystery box. <laughs> and he's very excited because the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> so he takes the mystery box. <laughs> Cade McNamara is not as good as a boat. <laughs> but he's also a known quantity at quality, something that has gotten Michigan to 7-0. and And you can't deny that this team has been successful with him driving the offense. They have not lost a game. And J.J. is exciting. He runs better than Cade. He's got a better arm than Cade. And he's 18 years old. And he hasn't had the chance to make a back-breaking mistake and crush the fan base's hopes yet because we've only seen him in mop-up duty and limited plays where he's supposed to have success. So what I want to see is Cade McNamara run the offense and for this team to do what they do. And for all the Michigan fans out there that are like, well, we could be better, we could be making more plays, What's going to happen on Saturday is the team that went 7-0 and so far in 2021 is going to line up against the Michigan State team that has gone 7-0 and in 2021, and we're going to see if our 7-0 is better than their 7-0. And we're not going to reinvent ourselves in six days. So is our 7-0 going to be better than theirs? 
Well, he brought us to that, and now we need to play our best with him at the helm. And if they have J.J. in there, which they will, that they have some wrinkles for him, and he has a chance to make a big play. But this is Cade McNamara's spot, and this is his team right now. Do you think that uh, at some point this year, and I'm, let's just focus on Saturday, I guess, do you think that we, I was with, we were talking about just a second ago, looking ahead like in my future ball, the crystal ball, where McNamara is 100% going to be this team's downfall, where I don't know if it's going to be you know, a backbreaking interception when we don't need it or where we're down like 17-0 to at halftime. But 100%, I circle him as the reason that this team isn't, you know, a legitimate title contender. Do you agree? Like, I know a lot of people compare it just because they say, oh, well, J.J. McCarthy, you know, he's a true freshman. We don't think he's ready. Do you think it's more that Cade Magmara just happens to be the quarterback of a really good team and that's why they're winning these games? Or do you think he's actually doing something that makes this Michigan team, like, play better compared to, let's say, if they had just an average, uh, you know, lower-tier Big Ten quarterback in there? It's a pretty good question because I don't think Michigan is actually a championship-caliber team. I think it's unfortunate that they have a really, really good team. This coaching staff is, like, on fire, getting these guys to really play probably above their level, and they don't have a difference maker at quarterback. And that's exactly where Cade is probably going to fall short because we see them have gone – they've gone undefeated, and they've won by grinding it out running the ball, playing good defense, and they haven't had to come back from 17 nothing down. They haven't had to come back against Ohio State. They have, I mean, they, they played tough in one spot in one quarter against Nebraska on the road. And other than that, they have not trailed. And that's why I don't think they're a championship team. I think they're just a really, really good team that doesn't have a better option. If you remember when Harbaugh was most wildly successful, that was Wilton Space team. That went yep. to Iowa and lost undefeated and then against Ohio State. That was not a difference maker at quarterback either. And that was just a very, very good team. I think that's a similar kind of Michigan team we're seeing this year. Yeah, it does kind of seem to be that way. And, and we've all kind of – everyone has voiced their opinion on the quarterback controversy. I'm, I'm kind of sitting where until Cade loses the job, I'm, I'm cool with him being the starter. I think we all can see that. The ceiling is probably higher with J.J. McCarthy, but right now it's Cade's team, like you said. I want to kind of. I don't want to look past Michigan State, but you know, Jared already kind of threw out the the crystal ball, the future, the eight ball, or whatever you want to say. If is this the biggest game in your opinion in the Harbaugh era? Because I, I mean, I know we all look at the 2016 Ohio State game like you just brought up, but if if Harbaugh starts off 0 and 2 versus Mel Tucker after Mer- Mel Tucker comes in when that program was basically in shambles, and Harbaugh's in year seven, and this is supposed to be the year he turns it around, like. It seems like every week almost we say, this is Harbaugh's biggest game. This is Harbaugh's biggest game. But like when you look at this game, is this just like, ah, this is like a, a cool in-state rivalry. This will be fun. Game day is there. Big noon kickoff is there. This will be fun. Or is this like, no, man, you, Harbaugh's got to win this. You can't go to East Lansing and lose this game. This is probably number two. 2016 against Ohio State is still more important. I mean, that's still the, the biggest game. The reason why everyone's looking for Harbaugh's biggest game of his career because he hasn't won one yet so this is like the next big game because if he wins it he can be happy because so mm-hmm. far we've only been sad this is a very important game he's 0-1 in biggest games ever you know let's uh let's see how he does in probably the number two biggest game that he's had because this 
win on the road can propel them into a schedule that suddenly looks a lot less formidable after that debacle of defense we watched between Illinois and Penn State this weekend. And uh, and then you have Ohio State at home. So you could turn into a special season, and this is really the toughest-looking test outside of OSU that we're looking at right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Do you – does it make you feel a little bit better knowing that this is a noon kickoff uh, compared to if, it, let's say, it was a night game at Spartan Stadium? Uh, I know for me it does. Uh, that's part one of this question. Then part two, what jersey do you hope Michigan unveils uh, for this game? Is there a certain <laughs> new combination that you've liked this year? I know I love the all-blue uniforms they've been wearing, but I'm just curious what you want to see. I'm going to flip the question. The blues look really good. I just don't think that'll match well versus the green, so TV will probably right. make them wear some combo of white. But I, I'm just jacked up for this one overall. I was in Ann Arbor for the Braylon Edwards Halloween night game, and that was nuts as a 3.30 kick. And uh, I, a lot of people wanted this to be a night game or a primetime game. I think it actually works better for Michigan to be a noon because we know that Spartan Stadium is going to be rocking. But the more time you get those fans to uh, marinate, we should say, is the louder it's going to be. So I think it's better for Michigan just to get into town, warm up, and play this one. And uh, I think the noon kick is just fine by me. Fair point. Now I got a final question from us. You you made a comment about this Michigan team not being a championship-caliber team, but how do you look at the college picture in general? I mean, this year it seems like some of the mighty have fallen, and what better year – uh, if the Wolverines can get on a little bit roll and, and get to the playoffs, you know, with Alabama seemingly down a little bit with at least a loss and Clemson out of the picture now. I mean, what better year than to make a run? Well, there's no superstar team that I really see. I mean, I'm not scared of any particular quarterback or superstar team like you said. I mean, Georgia looks Yeah, they look good. Awfully good. <laughs> I don't think Michigan runs the ball like they need to against Georgia. So, like, I don't think Michigan's in that tier. But, I mean, is anyone in the Big Ten really that good? Lost I guess we'll find out. Purdue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we will. But if they all beat up on each other, is this going to be one of those yeah. years where someone gets to the playoff and gets blown into next week? It very well could. And I'm starting to see the, the, the contenders and the pretenders are separating, right? So Iowa lost at home. Uh, Penn State lost at home. Now it's like Michigan, Michigan State, someone's going down, and uh, Ohio State is going to have to play some people, too, and we're going to find out there for real. Michigan absolutely could come out of this. I think whoever they probably get out of the West, they could handle. So all they have to do is really beat the teams they haven't beaten before, and uh, that's State going to Penn State and then Ohio State at home. And uh, they certainly could do it. Now, if they play Georgia in the one versus four, Good night. No chance. <laughs> but I think that they are good enough to get out of the Big Ten. But if you're talking championship team, I'd still bet against them because you really need a difference maker at quarterback, and I'm not sure that Cade's up to that task. All right. Well, speaking of uh, betting, what do you got for a score? I'm going to give you two answers. Michigan's going to win the game. So if you want to bet money line. Because it's a two-and-a-half-point spread, bet Michigan. If I'm going to make a smart bet, I'm going to take the line, tease it over to Michigan State 
minus six and a half because you'll get a great number on that and take mm-hmm. that number because you'll you'll get a better payout on that. And I would say there's a better chance of State winning by a touchdown and because they forced Michigan to throw and they're at home and they and they win big than Michigan coming in and winning big. So I will be predicting Michigan to win 27-24, and I'll take State on a, a minus six and a half, getting myself a lot of points if you want to, like, make a smart bet. That's, right. a, that's a good way to watch the game right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Terp, we appreciate the time. Uh, anything you want to promote before we let you go? No, I'm just uh, on Twitter trying to be part of the reasonable Michigan fan section. So uh, check me out, at Terp himself, and uh, always ready to talk blue and excited for basketball season. I thought the Midnight Madness event was awesome. And uh, it's great to see an awesome football team back-to-back with an awesome basketball team. And uh, let's enjoy the ride while it lasts. Go Blue. All right, Ryan, appreciate the time as always. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate it. Go Blue. All right, great stuff there by Ryan Terpstra. We'll be wrapping up the show, but we got to talk a little bit of Lions right after this. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items, including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work, along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals, including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him Three Point Podcast sent you. All right, I'm just going to give Jared credit. Uh, the Lions, that was their Super Bowl. They came up short, which is what we want, but they played hard, uh, had some great special teams play, but uh, they came out ready to play in this year's version of the Lions Super Bowl. It was a fun game. It, it really was. It was everything we wanted from this game. Like you said, perfect Lions game for this season. Battle hard, you know, have some really interesting moments, but in the end just lose. Uh, but what did you guys think of just seeing Matt Stafford going against the Lions? I mean, it was weird. one of the weirdest experiences I've had watching football. Just I, That's the only Lions I know is when Matt Stafford has been the quarterback. So to finally see it kind of come for a circle where now he's leading the team to the probably to the Super Bowl and we're just watching him. And he and I loved it in the postgame presser where he basically said, you know, uh, they threw everything they had at us, like onside kicks, uh, trick plays, everything, and uh, still wasn't enough. So I think he knew that the Lions really kind of wanted to beat him too. And so it just ended up being a great game. Uh, I just wish it had more of a spotlight. You know, I, I don't expect ESPN or, you know, NBC to make this the Sunday night game or the Monday night game, but I, I just think, I just wish it would have been a night game that had a big lead up to it uh, and more sort of a press surrounding it. It felt a little bit smaller than I thought it was going to be, honestly. You guys brought up how weird it was seeing Stafford against the Lions. So I was actually out. We were doing some some fall Sunday fun day stuff, um, you know, like pumpkin patch and all that. So the first part of the game I did listen to on the radio on on the way back home and listening to Dan Miller call the game and, like, oppose Matthew Stafford was really strange (laughs) because you think, you know, the rest of his career he's, like, going crazy over every touchdown pass and everything Stafford does. But then as I was listening to it, every first down and, you know, whatever, he's like, you know, he was like upset. So that was really strange. It definitely was. And I don't know. I it was so weird watching the game because yeah, it was cool seeing the the fake punts and the onside kick. Honestly, it made me feel like this is just a clown show. Like we're like 
I was like, what are we doing here? Like, I, I, you're pulling out all the stops. I get it. Dan Campbell, this is your Super Bowl. Got to win this game. You know, what do you have to lose? But I was also like, all right, this is almost starting to look like not an NFL team. Like, what are we doing? Even though they kept getting the fake punts, I, like you said, Ted, you tweeted out, like, Rams special teams coach should be on the hot seat. But <laughs> I don't know. I was just almost start, starting to laugh at all, all the, the tricks and everything that the Lions were trying to pull and still not winning the game. It's just – I was almost, like, cheering for the Rams because I was like, Jared Goff is so bad. I, it's nothing against him. He's an NFL quarterback. He's a number one pick. Obviously, he's super talented. But, like, you're pulling out all these tricks. You got an inside kick. You got multiple – fourth down or, or fake punt conversions and you actually the defense actually played okay at first got a couple stops and golf still can't get them over the top and get them you know a victory i just i was watching it and just like this is like this is almost a clown show this is almost a circus watching this game right now wow i think i'm personally I'm, you're, you're shocking me with the clown show thing the uh, <laughs> the special teams i mean i thought it was awesome in fact i started thinking about you know what you know everybody's so so concentrated on analytics and this and that, but why not? Uh, why not go to the trick bag more often? You know, instead of being so conservative and always kicking field goals when you're supposed to and everything else. Yeah, I guess you could call it a clown show because I mean they're zero and seven and <laughs> they have played like clowns. But I had no issue whatsoever pulling these trick plays out. I mean, hell, I I was ecstatic about it. I thought, what the hell? This they're trying everything they can do to win this game. That, well, that's kind of my thing. I, like, it was fun. Like, it was fun, and I and I get it. And I'm definitely with you. I think teams should be a little more. It does seem like once it gets to fourth down, it's like boom, automatic punt. Yep. Where sometimes I'm like, man, when it's fourth and half a yard, or yeah, if you have a decent like fake punt installed, why do teams not do this stuff more often? I, I do definitely agree there. But kind of like, I, like, why weren't they doing this stuff the rest of the year? Or like, are we really sitting here at the the seventh game of the season? just because we're going up against Matthew Stafford, like all of a sudden we're acting like we have to win this game. This is going to turn around our season. Dan Campbell's coaching for his job or something. That's what made me kind of like, like, what are we doing here? Like, why we've never seen this the rest of the season. Why are you pulling this out against the Rams and Matt Stafford? So, I don't know, that, that's the part that I was just kind of like, all right, you guys are almost making yourself look like, like a JV team or something. You know, it was fun to watch. But And then, you know, Jared Goff throws a pick and Stafford lights him up just the way he should have. It just... It just made me. It made me even more be like this. This Lions franchise is such a joke. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still, I'm still all on board. You know, I will never waver in my fandom. But just watching that game, I was like, we are so far away from even being close to a contender. This is just ridiculous. I love the the play calling by Campbell because I think other people I've seen other people say something along these lines where he coaches and calls plays like like I was like playing like Madden or something <laughs> like every time you want you yell at the tv that he should be going for it on fourth down he does it and he's calling a trick play every time they're punting he's doing all this other sort of stuff i love it uh would, would i want to see that if i was you know going if i was like let's say sean mcveigh or something like coaching the rams maybe not as much uh but with this team why not have some fun but going back to kind of what you were talking about with this how far away we are with this team we are far but the good news is I think it all can change if we can just find a quarterback. Now, the bad news to that is it really does seem like this draft is going to be totally depleted of any sort of like franchise-changing quarterbacks. So, yep, we have that to look forward to. That This is not going anywhere next year. We're going to be right here in the same boat next year. So, Matt, you might as well just enjoy the laughs and the <laughs> trick 
what I mean. And I, and, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not wavering in my fandom. I still, I'm still on board with Campbell. I do think given, given a, a, an actual chance, you know, if they sign the right players, draft the right players, I think he can be a good coach. But I, there's just a side to me that's like, what are we doing here? Like, how long are we going to, like, continue to say, see everyone after the game saying, like, man, this team put up a fight, such an awesome fight, uh, you know, all that. Like, they're 0-7, though. Your, your record, like, who was it, Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells said it? Your record, you are who your record says you are? You're 0-7. You're a really bad football team. And you got a coach out here that's just throwing around these trick plays and doing all this stuff and letting your quarterback, like, rush up and do a fourth down. I don't know. It just seems like it seems like chaos, and it's like, is this dude even a head coach? Because you even said it, Jared. He's running this team like he's playing Madden. And I'm just like, okay, so even if they had good players, like if they had an actual quarterback and good players, would it still be this, like, stupid chaos, you know? I don't know. Like, just watching it, you just see the stark difference between the Rams and the Lions. And I just wonder, like, how long is this going to work? Or is it going to work at all? Yeah, well, it all comes down to talent, and that's the big difference. I mean, you know, the Rams have supreme talent, starting with Stafford. I mean, Cooper Cup. And uh, Jalen Ramsey is as good a, uh, a defensive back as there is. I mean, they got talent all over the place, along with the coaching. And by the way, they have LA and SoFi Stadium. I mean, it's just so far ahead of every stadium I think nowadays in the NFL. But yeah, the Lions are a bit of a clown show. I'll give you that. But I did like the effort and what they put out there on uh, Sunday, and it was entertaining to watch for sure. And like I said right at the beginning, we got the result we really needed. We got to keep stocking up draft choices and see what we can come up with. What did you guys think overall of the like Matt Stafford playing the Lions again? The experience. Do you think that one? I, I, I hope the schedule aligns where we get to have him at Ford Field. But what did you guys think? I, I just felt it was a little bit over, un, underwhelming. I thought there was going to be a little bit more to it. Maybe that's just because I'm like comparing it to like Tom Brady versus the Patriots how that was, uh, and that sort of skewed my viewing where no one really cares about the Lions, no one really cares about this Matt Stafford story. Uh, I just think I was maybe a little bit uh, biased and thought it was bigger than it was. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, I know I've, I've said it a number of times on, on the pod that he's one of my – Stafford's one of my favorite players ever and still is, but I, I, I'm kind of – I'm done with it. So even, yeah, say two, three years, yeah, the Rams come to Ford Field – I hope it's almost like not made a big deal at all because you could even see it in the interview on the field after the game when I forget who the reporter was, but she was asking Stafford, you know, basically those questions. And he was basically saying that. He was like, I'm just glad this week is over. Like, I, I, I think he truly respects the Lions and, you know, is happy about his time in Detroit. But, it's like, everyone just move on. Like you said, this wasn't Tom Brady coming back to New England to play the Patriots. <laughs> this is just a player that moved on to a different team. Let's just let's just kind of move on from that whole storyline. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it was pretty much a one and done thing as far as the hype factor goes. And I don't know about you guys. I think I think I do, but you know, I'm a Lions fan for life. But this season, I'm pulling for the Rams. I hope they win it all. I do. I mean, of all the teams left that could win it, yep, definitely Rams. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up. But we never did give our predictions, fellas, on the the big game in East Lansing on Saturday. Let's just uh, – I'm assuming we're all taking Michigan, but what what do you got and what do you got for a score? Put it on record. I, Michigan 28, Michigan State 24. I, I really just – I'm not even necessarily worried that Michigan wins this game. I, I just want it to be an all-time game, just sort of like what we saw in 2015. Just give me a really good game that you remember for the rest of your life. That's all I'm looking forward to. 
Uh, but I think 28-24, I think this is going to be – like Corum's going to have some sort of big run in the second half that's going to uh, immortalize him in, in Michigan fandom. And I think that's going to be the difference. I think other than that, it's going to be very equal. I think Michigan State's going to kind of expose our pass defense, and I think we're going to expose Michigan State's rush defense. And it's going to come back, come down to who makes a big play in the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be Corum. So I'm going 28-24 Michigan. I, I like that, Jared. I like what you're saying there. And I'm kind of leaning the same way. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I'm not too worried about Kenneth Walker. And I know that's kind of crazy to say because he's having just an incredible year. I feel like Michigan's going to be able to control him. And the, the thing that we've talked about a number of times now already is Michigan State through the air. And if, if Michigan State hits a couple deep balls, that's kind of how they score their points. I actually think that maybe helps Michigan in a sense because we know that Michigan, hopefully, like they've been doing all year, they'll be able to establish some long drives with Corum, with Haskins, like you're talking about. So hopefully what I'm thinking is maybe Michigan wears down Michigan State's defense and, you know, maybe it's a close game. Michigan State hits a couple big plays, but by the end of the game, Michigan's wore down Michigan State's defense and they can pull away in the end. I am, man, I, I hope Cade McNamara, you, you said Blake Corum, I hope Cade McNamara has, like, a career-defining that, that game that puts him up there on the pedestal of Michigan quarterbacks because of all the hate that he's getting. I hope he just goes out there and balls out. But I'm going to say I'm leaning towards like a 24-20, a to 24-17 Michigan victory. Sounds good. And I'll give my score here in just a second. But before we do, just a quick thought here from you, Matt. I mean, the big story, you know, uh, tailgate show is Fox Big Noon kickoff show and ESPN game day going to be in East Lansing. Has that ever happened before? There's been, I, I don't remember the sites off the top of my head, but there has definitely been a couple times where both Fox's, you know, big pregame show and game day were at the same site, basically because of this same scenario. Basically where it's like, whatever the site is, that is the biggest game. There's no way that either, either you know, network can't be there. And I think that's, we were talking about it before we started recording. Game day waited a while to announce because I think they were probably weighing all options, and it was just like there's no way we can't go to East Lansing. So it'll be really cool to see both both of those shows there in East Lansing. It's going to be awesome, and and the game's going to be awesome. I don't think it's going to disappoint. I'm just going to make it real simple and sweet here. And I got to tell you, I I almost was leaning Michigan State. I'm just putting that right out there, but I can't do it. I got to be Desmond Howard here. I got to go the Wolverines, 30-27, a last-minute Jake Moody field goal to win it. And uh, All right. that's the way I'm looking at it right here. It's going to be a hell of a game, boys. Looking forward to it. All right, uh, we'll call this a pod, fellas, and make sure you follow us at 3 Point Pod. Thanks to Joe Jank and Ryan Terpstra for helping us break down Saturday's big game. Also, let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Tune in live on Z92.5 this Friday, October 29th, for high school playoff action as Corona travels to Flint to take on three and six powers, and that'll be at Atwood Stadium there Friday night. And tentatively, we're looking to possibly carry Saturday night's 7 o'clock, the unbeaten Morris Orioles hosting Climax Scots in an eight-man opener. Until next time, for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody, and go blue.
Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease and every 90 minutes someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.